Hello, I'm Haya, and thank you for welcoming us into your ears. You've tuned in to Human Awareness, a podcast about what it means to be human and the various ways that that shows up for people. And hi, I'm Kate, and I'm so glad to have you here with us. Haya and I are representing the Human Awareness Institute, or HI for short, as we explore important themes related to love, intimacy, and sexuality. Obviously, our podcast can't replace our workshops, but we hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall we get started with the interview? Yes. Come settle in with me and I'll hit play. Hello and welcome to another episode of Human Awareness. We are joined here with my co-host, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi. And a wonderful guest. Uh, Wonderful guest. (laughs) What is your name? What pronouns do you use? And where are you calling in from? My name is Sarah Belzeal, and I use she, her pronouns, and right now I am calling in from Ten Sleep, Wyoming, but my usual home is the Red River Gorge in Kentucky. Oh, very exotic. (laughs) It feels like we have a a too many Californians on this podcast, so it's wonderful to to cast our nets slightly wider for once. (laughs) <laughs> and Sarah, we were just laughing offline about how we were talking with you last this time last year when you were on the same climbing trip. So yes, it's exactly. nice to have you back in our orbit. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic with you today. Um, it's something I had never even heard of before you reached out with your email saying, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast. Um, and that is eco-eroticism. Do you want to give us like a high level definition of what eco-eroticism is from your perspective? (laughs) I I almost feel like we are challenged here, uh, Kate, to do like wrong answers only answers here for what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I'd like the right answer. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know if there is a a right answer or (laughs) wrong answer to eco-eroticism. I feel like it wouldn't be complete I couldn't really speak about this without kind of giving a nod to Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens, who are some of my inspiration for this work. And also I think it was Annie and Beth who maybe coined first kind of coined the term of ecosexuality and they came up with the ecosexual manifesto many years ago. But the way I define it and the way it lives in me is that it is this union of it's pulling together the natural yearning that I think so many, if not all of us have to deeply connect with the earth and with the mystery of nature, as well as the incredible power of Eros and eroticism to bring us. And when you combine both of those things together into the same practice, it really brings us into deeper connection with what I feel is our soul or this, this essential nature of who we really are. So that's how I define it. That's beautiful. It's reminding me a little bit of, I've heard of like forest meditation, where you go into the forest and sit and and allow your eyes to kind of bounce around, take in the sounds and allow the, the surrounding environment to kind of take you inward into a spiritual place. Is it something similar? Is there more, is there more dynamicism to it? Um, and how do you kind of bring this in to your world? 
Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it is a definite, a begin, maybe beginning of an eco-erotic practice, um, because it's really comes from that place of connection um, and grounding and, you know, really yearning to be deeply present with the mysteries of nature that are around us. Um, I think the way I would, you know, to, to deepen it a little bit and to bring it more into the eco-erotic realm, if that were the practice, it would be then really focusing on where you're experiencing the most pleasure. Um, it can be from tactile sensations of, you know, coming in contact with the ground or the trees or whatever you're touching, or it could be almost on this energetic level. In fact, I remember an exercise that I did at a high workshop of connecting with a tree and really having a conversation with a tree that would be really in the same realm of eco-eroticism, except it didn't necessarily involve a sense of turn on or arousal, but that can definitely come into the practice also. Um, so do, are you familiar with the tree, the tree exercise that I'm talking about? Yeah, it's done in level one, I think. It's one of the early ones. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, so maybe that, that helps to describe it a little bit. I mean, I can share um, how I really like the story of how I really came into this practice and realized that this is a, a, a deepening part of my path. If yeah, that... no, I think that was exactly the question I was going to ask you, Sarah, because it feels like it's a turning toward like almost in a, in a, like a, a naturalist or kind of a romanticist um, uh, level towards the natural world and the natural and from what I'm hearing, you're including humans and human bodies in that. Is that right? Yes, it can. Um, I mean, I think most of the practices that I have done um, are primarily solo in the woods, although, you know, with partners also. But I think the ones that have been the most, well, profound, and that's the one I'm going to share about next, I think. Um, have really been these solo, almost like a vision quest um, mm. in the woods, in the forest, except using eroticism and turn on and self-pleasuring as kind of the, like I said, like a portal to bring you, bring you deeper. So, um, well, and actually, before I tell that story, I'll just <clears throat> give a little more context with, I just led an eco-erotic retreat at my new home. I just purchased a home in Kentucky that I can use for retreats and it's 14 acres and we have a creek and woods and for and uh, fields and it's it's very mm. um yeah, it's very well set up for this purpose. Um and so what we did is in the the days the beginning of the retreat we really focused on building that erotic field like within the group that was there. And then the last day, everyone went out onto the land to have like a personal sadhana, like a personal spiritual practice with the land and with the natural environment. You kind of using that sense of group transpersonal eroticism that we had built in the previous days to deepen their connection, you know, really to bring about like a mystical experience 
vision quest with with the land. So, and all of that is inspired by, and then I'll tell this story, <laughs> my uh, my journey and the profound experiences that I have had. So, well, I'll just back up to gosh, I'm not sure however many years ago it was now. Um, I also have a, a yoga community in the Red River Gorge that I've created with a few friends um, that we model. It, we call it an ashram. It's a yoga, a pop-up ashram where we're in session for weeks or months out of the year where we begin the day with spiritual practice and end the day with a fire ceremony and you know, it's like a very rhythmic way to live with other humans and create a spiritual community. And a few years ago during Ashram, um, we were living, we, we had set up at a campground in Kentucky. And so we were living very close to the, to the earth in tents and, you know, cooking outside every day. And I realized that I had about 24 hours where there was really, we weren't having any new visitors and it was going to be easy for me to just like disappear into the woods by myself for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And I had always had this for the past, like, I don't know, a couple of years before that I'd had this yearning to spend the night outside in the woods, like literally naked and alone, like with just the earth and to kind of go into that shadowy place of like just really opening myself in as deep a way, like a very vulnerable way, like right when we take off our clothes and we're alone and it's dark, mm -hmm. like that's kind of the most vulnerable, potentially scary time to be in nature. And it was this was in July, so it was very warm. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to be cold, <laughs> um, but I knew I would probably have to contend with insects who ended up being a very, very important part of this journey. Um, and so before I left, I'm just going to bookmark this by saying that before I went to go do this 24 hour experience in the woods, um, I was in a relationship at the time and my partner really wanted to have an open relationship. And I was at a point where I was just like, no, I really can't quite get to that place. Like it just seems to, I, I, I just, I just wasn't there. It wasn't, I was still feeling like I needed just to have my person. And um, so I'm just sharing that to then, cause that shifted. That was kind of a, a way to, to compare where I was before and after. So I go off into the woods and um, I took with me only like a, a wrap so that I could like get into the woods because this was a public campground um, and I couldn't be walking around naked at the campground. Um, I took a lighter so I could make myself a fire and um, my ashram companions had agreed to just leave me food on the edge of the forest where I was going to be so that I could come out and have a meal or two during the time that I was in the woods. And so I went, I went in and had this incredible experience with this waterfall that it was right near where I was setting up my little area for the 24 hours 
Um, and it was, I did do a self-pleasuring practice while I was there and just began to feel the sense of complete openness and connection with the land and with the waterfall and with the wind and the rain and the moisture and even the insects. <laughs> and I, as the, the experience progressed, um, it ended up happening that uh, it started raining that night and the way I was where I was below the waterfall, I realized that I, I hadn't brought a flashlight. And so I wasn't going to be able to like get out in the middle of the night. So I actually ended up sneaking back up and sleeping in my tent. And then the next morning, as soon as the sun rose, going back to my little spot. So because the rain was just a little bit more than I had negotiated for. But the next morning when I went back and started a fire and did some chants around the fire, I had this experience with a mosquito where a mosquito came and landed on my arm and was, you know, injecting its, its proboscis or whatever you say that, whatever that you know, the pointy thing is that they put into their arms <laughs> or into your flesh. Um, and as it landed on me, I was even able to experience that as like this union with nature, like with the ecosystem in a way that I'd never experienced before. So as this mosquito landed on me and was taking blood out of my body, I realized that I could turn that into a prayer really and allow that blood that the mosquito was taking to offer it into the ecosystem with like a blessing that like, please take this blood from me with my consent, right? Cause mm. mosquitoes and insects really aren't in, into consent, but I can be into yeah. consent <laughs> and offer this blood to the mosquito, have this mosquito take these, you know, a few, however many molecules or grams or ounces or whatever it is, milliliters of blood back to its young, back to, you know, cause it's female mosquitoes, right. That take our, our blood and, and use it to feed their, their eggs and their young, which will then be consumed by, you know, probably a bat or some other animal, um, which then might be consumed by yet another animal. And so as I'm offering this blood into the ecosystem, it just became this like deeply connecting experience for me of just visualizing my presence in this web of life. Mm. Um, There's something so beautiful in that, Sarah. I've, I've, I've always kind of it struck me how porous the boundaries are between us and the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, breath mm-hmm. becomes you, you become breath, food becomes you, you become food eventually. Yes. <laughs> and I feel there's something so beautifully present about how you describe that with, with your relationship with ma- that mosquito and being part of the ecosystem. And I, I, I think the piece that I don't fully grok yet which i would love to hear more about is how 
how that shows up as eroticism for you. Yes. So, um, I think it's finding this sense of pleasure. It's that eroticism and my connection to nature, there's like, it's the falling in love with the subtle, like it's this energetic level that, and it's this, it's a blending of maybe my conceptualization of the world with what I'm also experiencing in my body at the moment. I don't know if this makes any sense. Um, and the self-pleasuring and really focusing on like what it is that I deeply desire in every moment um, is like that, that is the sense of eroticism is like allowing the pleasure to guide the connection and moving towards um, my sense of turn on and arousal and allowing that in into my connection with nature. Cause I don't think I would have had that like borderline. I, I mean, whether or not you call that erotic, like that experience that I had with the mosquito, you know, this, this, this experience of like divine union, if you will, <laughs> I, I don't think would have been there if I hadn't already been in a state of like where of a pleasure guided state. Does that help to explain mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And what's coming forward for me as I listen to you is, um, have you heard that the brain is the largest sex organ we yes, have? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the nervous system is potentially just as large, right? This sense of like, I'm hearing you go into a space of turning on all of your senses and mm-hmm. being really present. And something that I love the story of the, of the mosquito because something that is typically kind of perceived as a nuisance or uncomfortable, um, getting naked in nature can be considered very uncomfortable, um, potentially both emotionally and physically. And I'm hearing you say like the vulnerability in that is opens you up to the eroticism of being present, right? Like how do I slow this down enough that I can actually shift this from being something uncomfortable to being something stunningly beautiful and something I'm a part of, and that derives pleasure. Um, am I getting you? Yes, <laughs> yes yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm bringing that sense of curiosity and playfulness, I think, um, to the, the experience. wonder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Haya, does that does that help? I mean, you were the one who asked the question. So <laughs> Yeah, no, that helps hugely. And I feel like there's there's this thing where one of the most powerful um sexual experiences I ever had was actually related to connecting with a partner, but channeling the energy from the natural world around me. Mm. And I feel like being the conduit for that, um, because they weren't able to access it heightened the experience for me for her but i i really felt the presence of the the trees and the jungle and the frogs and all that kind of thing around me and i <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm daydreaming a little bit about that exact moment because of the way you've <laughs> spoken about that connection yes yes and actually that does remind me of 
an experience with a partner in the woods too, where he had told me that like his intention was to be making love with the earth through me in that moment, in that practice, in that encounter. And that allowed me to really open up and to offer myself in that way and to really feel part of the earth um, through his, that framing, you know, that beautiful, him bringing that to the, to the table, so to speak. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's also something like, um, so you said there's a self-pleasuring. I've been naked in the woods by myself before as well, but didn't engage in a self-pleasuring act. And I think that sounds just, um, magical. And there's something about like sex in the woods. It can kind of be kind of like, it, it can be like a kink or, and there, it's like this freedom of like being, out of kind of t- our typical like insulated boxes of privacy um and I'm curious for you like can you touch on that the sense of like being exposed in some ways even though you're totally alone how does that play into your sense of eroticism with mm, nature that's a great question I think that um hmm, that exposure you know, I think everyone has to calibrate that so that they can find the right level of exposure where they can still feel a sense of turn on, right? Because sometimes it's like too much, like we don't want to overwhelm the nervous system where you go from feeling like make, like there's a, nakedness and then there's like feeling bare you know like or raw like where you're Mm -hmm. too exposed or you know where the the, there isn't enough sense of safety or grounding anymore um and so I think finding the right place for you you know in that moment like it in on different days I think it can be different levels and it also depends on obviously the weather too right like whether or not we want to (laughs) like if it's cold like it just doesn't yeah it's just for me at least I'm I'm, my body is not so good with cold temps (laughs) well the child in me just heard you say whether or not which I found hilarious but also (laughs) but I also think there's something so so powerful about that too I I just came back from a couple of days in Hopland where I stayed on a marijuana farm which was all sorts of wonderful and you know with any farm I'm always a little bit worried about who runs a farm right we're kind of in deep red country in California and I've had experiences that were interesting but the first thing they said was like really sheepish as we turned up to this Airbnb we're like well we're kind of close optional around here and if that's a problem for you we can ask everybody not to be close optional this week and we looked at them and we're like no take your clothes off this is wonderful <laughs> but i feel like just having that you know connection with the the even not just a natural world right i mean this is this is industrial architect uh, um industrial uh, agriculture but even in that context um a lot of the workers were spending time largely undressed in touch with what they were doing. And mm-hmm. I just found there to be something so connected with mm-hmm. them choosing to do that, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine it's it, OSHA yeah. approved for factory workers, but if you <laughs> tend to plants, <laughs> why not? Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, well, and I love what you said, Sarah, about like, you know, part of this practice is finding your own comfort level and your own edge. And it's not necessarily about pushing yourself to a point of discomfort. It's more about, um, yeah, finding what is, what makes you feel good. It's about pleasure. Right. Um, and I love that you gave yourself permission. You know, you had this vision of, okay, 24 hours in the woods, but when it started to rain, you're like, I'm going to go to my tent now and allowed yourself permission to make yourself comfortable. And for me, that's such an important theme of sex in general. Like Mm. where's the line between pushing our agenda or our ideas of what should be or what we want and then real coming up against a wall of like, you know, I actually, that's not how I envisioned that. I'm going to back off or shift gears here and, and be in a, a space of a yes with myself. Kate, I, I'm hearing something really beautiful in that statement, which is actually bringing up a question for me, which is um, for Sarah, really. Sarah, where um where can one of our listeners start if they want to explore this world? And uh, uh, presumably the beginning for them is their edge. And for you, when you are doing this work, uh, where is your edge now as you are uh, becoming a more advanced practitioner of uh, eco-eroticism? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, maybe I'll answer the, the the last question first, which is that I'm chuckling because I feel like my edge is very different on different days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually still curious to do my naked and alone night in the woods on a night when it's not raining. Um, and so that's still, uh, you know, still a practice that's out there for me. Um, and, but really where I've been focusing lately is on my property, the, the land that I just bought in Kentucky is really feeling into that land. And like the Creek, for example, that's in my front yard that I call the friendly Creek, um, spending a good amount of time there naked and just enjoying the rocks and the, the flow of the water and, and connecting with the the energy and the spirit of that creek and the the elemental spirits, if you will, that may live there. And, you know, to me, that is an erotic practice because there's such a soulful pleasure in it for me. And, you know, bringing like a self-pleasuring pra- practice or self-massage or, you know, touch into it can actually help me to open myself up to be even more connected to what is present in the natural world around me. It's kind of like the exercise that Kate described at the beginning. And so maybe this also answers the, your first question of, you know, a place where people can start um, is really at whatever your level of comfort is in the natural world. And if you can be in a place where, clothes can come off wonderful and it can also be the opposite where you know you do it in your own home but bring natural items you know even food items or you know uh, sticks or stones or you know parts of nature that can come into the home with you plants that you can touch and feel and enjoy the you know find your pleasure places or pleasure experiences with those items. Like there's a beautiful um, sensory 
practice actually on my website. When you sign up for my mailing list, you get a password to this erotic playground section of my website that has this beautiful um, self-pleasuring nature connection practice that my sweetheart actually wrote for me that I've we've decided to share on the website that is exactly what I was just starting to describe, which is using sticks, stones, leaves that you that you specifically ask. So going out into nature and asking like which sticks, stones, leaves, you know, moss, whatever it is that you find might like to be part of the practice with you, creating a little altar or sacred space, and then using them to touch your skin um, and to, to feel, to do like a sensory play practice with those, those objects, those items. So that can be a really sweet place to start too. It's beautiful. Sarah, I wonder if you might share, you alluded to this just a little bit right before your story of like who you were before and who you were after. And I wonder, you can go back to that example with your partner, but I'm also just wondering in general, like what are some of the qualities of yourself that you've gained access to or grown as a result of this specific kind of practice? Mm, Gosh, what a great question. Well, yeah, I would love to finish the loop on that story because I did emerge from that sadhana um, willing, ready, ready and willing to change my relationship or to change the agreements that I'd made with my partner. And it wasn't because I felt any pressure from him. It was just because I felt such a deep sense of fulfillment and new possibilities and abundance of the way that I could connect not only with nature, but with other humans and that I just wanted him to be able to explore whatever connections he wanted to and me also. So I just felt this open hearted willingness to absolutely open our relationship up. Um, and so I went on to then experience probably the most sexually abundant summer of my life after that. <laughs> and I think he did also. And um yeah, so that that was a very like concrete, you know, kind of before and after snapshot of like where I was before and after. And then, you know, go, going forward, because, you know, like I said, that was several years ago. I think now one of the things that lives in me the most that I feel this practice is really helps me, supports me to realize what that nature is everything. Like nature is the elements. Nature is, it's everywhere. It's not just, you know, how I originally conceived of it was like naked alone in the woods, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. like this, some, this intense experience. Right. But like my body is nature. Um, And so as I experience emotions and sensations, like using that and having a respect for all of that information as a manifestation, like an extension of the earth, really. Um, so I don't know, maybe a little bit too disjointed or heady. Did that make sense? Oh yeah, it definitely makes sense. Like I'm hearing in that the, the heightened awareness of how 
uh, well, what comes up for me is I think that there's this, there can be this separation from us versus nature. Like the, mm-hmm. you go do nature and then you come back to real life and, yes. and hearing you say like, no, wait a second. Like it is everywhere. It is everything. Um, and your relationship to that is then strengthened in how you are part of nature. Is that what I mean? Yes. Thank you yeah. for translating. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is how I am when I have like kind of when I'm experience or expressing sort of new awarenesses or insights, it can come out sort yeah. of disjointed. Well, so thank I, you for translating. Uh, of course. And I think what you're saying is profound. I'm hearing it's like an identity shift even like, yeah. It's a it's a fundamental core sense of your orientation in the world of who you are. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> Haya, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I I see, I hear you use the word connection a lot, and I feel like so what I am hearing is that you are drawing a pretty close connection for you personally between connection and eroticism. Is that right? Or is there a, or are there forms of connection to you that don't tap into the erotic? Hmm. I'll have to think on that. Let's see. I think that, well, the first thing that comes to mind is, and, and this is probably just a residue from having been brought up Catholic and for so many years, like, you know, trying to contain sexuality and eroticism like into a very you know discreet box (laughs) in my life and so now I experience eroticism as really any kind of connection where pleasure and turn on is allowed and is invited Mm. um because I do think and I'm also a professional cuddleist and so that's a realm where eroticism, you know, we keep those connections platonic. And so eroticism is not, I mean, eroticism may show up, but it's not invited there. And so in an eco-erotic practice, it's like specifically calling forth that sense of pleasure and turn on into realms where, like the mosquito story, where it might not have been invited or even natural to have it show up before or in in, does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense uh and and regular listeners will remember um episode six of this season where we talked to yoni who's also a a cuddleist and we talked about this in some depth um but i think there's something so uh thank you for sitting with that question Mm, because i think there's something really um I think those are my favorite moments on the podcast when somebody kind of sits with and settles into, um, yeah, when when you're invited to hold up a mirror and take take a deep look, you know? Yeah, and to go into the unknown of like a place. Wow, I've never looked at this exact thing before. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what well, happens. We, totally. And as we were talking about before we hit record here, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the meaning of life and the the only thing that really has come come up for me so far in in that journey is that everybody I talk to has such a different take on everything mm. right i am like surprised by how different my friends are from me and from each other when it comes to like one of the biggest questions you could probably uh, possibly ask so yeah okay 
Yeah, I'm just, Sarah, I'm loving this conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this. It's like, my mind goes off in all these different directions, but the direction it's in right now um, was sparked by what you just said and this sense of, I'm going to take a minute just to make sure I can say this because I'm grappling with this, but um, like taking the unexpected, you said earlier in the podcast to fall in love with the subtle. And I just think Mm -hmm. that's like such a stunning statement. Um, And I think sometimes sex can become, especially with another partner. Well, and maybe masturbation too. This like, it becomes familiar. There's a routine. There's um, kind of an expected pace. Yes. And um, I just love the invitation that you're offering us in slowing down and looking for the unexpected um, pleasure and turn on and, and connection and delight. And, um, you know, the, the possibilities there of uh, what connection with the unexpected can do for our sense of pleasure and turn on just like it's blowing my mind. <laughs> I'm like really mm. excited about that. And um, I wonder too, like, you, you know, I get the sense from you about your time in nature with this, that there's a lot of slowing down, a lot of really noticing. Is there also like you mentioned chanting, is there like, um, does everything start to get louder? You know what I mean? Like you start to hear more of what you wouldn't have noticed before and it actually speeds back up in a way. Does that make sense? Ooh. Hmm. Interesting. Or does it stay pretty slow? Huh. Well, (laughs) (laughs) where, where I'm going now is to another really interesting topic, which maybe is another conversation, but is about my relationship with time. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go there. Oh my gosh. Like I, I really think that time, money and sex are like these three really powerful portals to like, to the soul and to like our sense of self and so, and I don't have any of it figured out, but I just am, have noticed over the years that when I really am able to track my relationship with time, that I don't know, it just seems like important information. <laughs> so, I don't know what it means exactly. There's just something in me that sort of stirs when I notice what you're saying, like whether it's I'm kind of what pace I'm at at the moment, you know, whether it is this like slow pace. And there's this contradiction too, right? That like sometimes when we do slow down and really examine something with this beautiful sense of presence and breath and stillness, that then somehow time actually does speed up. Like I'm looking at, you know, the amount of time we've been on and been having this chat now. Right. And it feels like five minutes, but (laughs) I know it's been a lot longer because we've taken this time to kind of do, uh, you know, to practice what we're talking about, like to practice this slowing down and coming into the moment and (sighs) breathing and looking more carefully at what's interesting and alive for each of the three of us in the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I 
can exactly answer your question. I'm just also super curious about it and, and curious about the, maybe the, the contradictions, I guess, and how, mm. how incapable I often feel of really having accurate descriptions <laughs> and an accurate sense of, of time and rhythm and what's actually happening, but, but not a lack of interest, you know, like, a, I'm so fascinated by that. And, and maybe it could be distilled down to like the kind of the masculine, the feminine, you know, the desire to, to measure and to track and understand versus the, the mystery and the willingness to absolutely be uncomfortable with or be comfortable with the unknown and the mystery of mm. of how ineffable and difficult it is or impossible it is to really describe and track well i agree it's a difficult thing to pull into words especially since so much of it is sensory but you've done just a beautiful job here today and i feel so grateful to you for being so vulnerable and sharing your stories as well as really inviting us and our listeners into potentially a totally new territory of um, self-discovery. So thank you so much, Sarah. Um, and thank you. Thank you both for asking such great questions and taking me like inwardly. I just feel this sense of like fulfillment and curiosity and appreciation for the nuance that both of you have enabled me to to go go into together so thank you absolutely where can people continue to relate to you and find you mm, yeah so as i mentioned earlier yeah sarahbelzeal.com is my website and yeah signing up for email is great and there's also a list of events and things that i'm hosting on there um and some blog entries and yeah that's a great way to to be in touch and yeah, to maybe if people do sign up, like I said, they get the erotic playground password and there's some fun things on there for people to enjoy. Awesome. And we'll include your website in the show notes. So check that out. And Haya, you want to wrap us up, pull us out? Oh, I just want to hug you both. This was such a lovely conversation. Thank you. (laughs) Agreed. Thank you so much, Sarah. We'll be in touch. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Haya. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Awareness Podcast. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, please visit our website at hi.org. That is H-A-I.org. As always, it was a pleasure to have you with us. See See you soon. soon.